0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell, And well, we are only ten weeks away from the twenty twenty-one NFL draft, and in that spirit, we kick off our twenty twenty-one Dash of the Draft series tonight. And what better person is there to kick it off with than Paige Demakos? page is the ceo of the draft network which i've said many times is in my humble opinion the best draft resource for football fans all year round and i have interviewed several of the amazing people that make the draft network what it is jordan reed joe marino jonah tolls and trevor sykema to name a few and page i couldn't be happier and i couldn't be more honored to add you to that list Welcome to the program page how you doing
1: Oh, I'm doing well. I appreciate the intro and uh the love for the Draft network. It's definitely uh been a fun time watching the business grow and and being able to do that and have Draft 365. So it is it is a lot of fun and I'm I'm happy to be here. So thanks for having me.
0: Yes, uh, as I kind of alluded to in my intro, um, one of the things that I really like about the Draft Network is the coverage you provide all year round. You like provide year round coverage better than almost any draft outlet, including ESPN, in my opinion.
1: I I appreciate that. That's that's the goal, right? So, yeah. kind of saw a, a an entry point with with the market within the NFL to take advantage of the fact that there's many fan bases in the NFL that uh, you know draft season really starts in September right if you're a Jets fan you're a Jaguars fan you've been dialed into the draft uh, pretty much since the NFL season kicked off so there's many fan bases that find themselves in uh, in this 365 kind of full full prospect watch and so you know, we saw an opportunity to be able to kind of capture that audience. So it, it's been good so far, and we are excited with some big things that are coming down the line. Oh,
0: oh, I can't wait to hear what those things are. And uh, you brought up a, a good point. Uh, you said the draft season really starts in August. I would argue it starts in like June, July, or maybe even May, because that's when the scouts um go on the start going on the road and gathering their early intel on a lot of these prospects i think it starts even earlier than august
1: oh yeah see listen for us there is no off season draft season as i said earlier it's 365 right we're we're all the way dialed in all the time always looking for what is going to be the next big crop the next guy that we all need to pay attention to and and you'll see uh, Trevor Sigma every year. We drop a way-too-early mock the very second the NFL draft ends, and it's one of my favorite things that we do. So you'll look forward to a 2022 way-too-early mock draft that will come out the second that the t- clock ticks uh, end on Saturday uh, in May. So it, we're, we're ready to rock for the next year the second everything everything ends.
0: Yep, that's Saturday, May 1st, uh, just to let you know, folks. And uh, when you look at the draft this year, uh, because of the COVID-19, there will be no traditional scouting combine this year. And given that fact, do you think there's a rather good chance that what transpires on draft night is actually more different than ever before compared to what top analyst mocks say? Like everybody was saying, oh, last year because of COVID, all the mocks are going to look 180 degrees different than um, what the analysts think. It turned out not to be true. It turned out to line up almost perfectly with uh, some mocks out there. But this year, uh, uh, what we thought would happen last year just might happen. Yeah, I think you know, one we're all everybody's always trying to garner interest
1: in the event, right? Nobody wants everything to be chalk, and and so I think we can safely say that we chalk the number one overall pick uh, in Trevor Lawrence. But past that there's a lot of intrigue right so there are there are a lot of teams that don't really need a quarterback that are up towards the top right you've got the Miami Dolphins in the third overall pick who have to uh are they gonna trade and get to Watson right are they gonna is that does does Houston end up in that spot right is it a three-team trade there's there are so many variables going into this draft that even even if with all the information present there are so many things that are going to change between now in february to the point where we get to you know april that even when we do our due diligence and we have our mocks ready to rock i think there's just so many things that can happen on draft night as far as trades and other things that are going to impact it that's why i think it's going to be less chalk than usual um not not necessarily as much about the prospects but more about the teams and the movement that happened, and some of this free agency stuff that has started to happen a little bit, but has really ramped up um last year. Obviously, it felt like was the kickoff with Tom Brady leaving the Patriots, right? And then he goes to the Buccaneers and wins yep. the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um Now it now it's you know you've got Matthew Stafford who's going to be a Ram, right? You got Jared Goff in Detroit. We've got uh, you know potentially Carson Wentz on the move, potentially Deshaun Watson on the move. I mean, we're talking about some significant changes, David. So. That's all going to factor into what teams are doing, what their strategy looks like, who's in the market for a quarterback, and that changes everything because whoever's in the market for a quarterback that dictates how the whole draft cycle works.
0: And uh, another name that could could be on the move is Ben Roethlisberger, based on what Steelers GM Kevin Colbert said today, like what he said wasn't necessarily uh, ringing your doors by saying, oh, we're 100% going all in, bringing him back for one more year to make one more final run at this thing. They might be willing to move on uh, right now.
1: Yeah, which I find very interesting, right? Like I can't, I just can't imagine Big Ben in another uniform. (laughs) But I I said the exact same thing about, you know, we said it all about Tom Brady, right? And Tom Brady... It still didn't look right when he was in a Bucs uniform, even after him playing for a whole year. So the reality is never say never, right? Ben wants to keep playing. I think Ben wants to play only as long as he's in Pittsburgh. I don't think Ben's going to go try at his current age to try. He doesn't have the same Tom Brady, like FU mode that that, that Tom has, right? Where it was like there was very clearly a mission from Tom I want to prove to everybody it's not about Bill and it's about me, and he very clearly did that. Um, I I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be too interested in going to play anywhere outside from Pittsburgh, and I don't think they'll move on from him. But we we shall see. He's going to have to restructure that deal, that's for sure.
0: Yes, and we're going to know soon enough because uh, free agency is, uh, as of right now, less than four weeks away. So uh, things are about to get really, really serious. And uh, back to the draft, which is the purpose of our program tonight, based on the film study and character biographical background checks that y'all have done at the Draft Network so far, what position groups of this 2021 class are the strongest in terms of depth and talent and which are the weakest?
1: Yeah, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find a time where I can remember looking at our consensus top 10 and seeing three wide receivers. In the top ten, right there is it is a a, a really strong back to back classes, and I I think coming off of the fact that we just saw a lot of rookies have a lot of success early on in the NFL um, at the wide receiver position. Even a guy like a Darnell Mooney, right, so the Chicago Bears is a fifth round pick, right? Tyler Johnson in in Tampa, fifth round pick. There there are guys that you're finding. I mean the depth at that position is just incredible, right? So the depth, but also the strength of the guys at the top. There are a lot of guys at that position uh, that that it is it is that much quality depth. Now I know people will be probably a little bit surprised by this, but I really think this 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 quarterback class becomes very interesting because to me there is a pretty stark what we call in fantasy football tier right where you tier the quarterback yes well there's tier one and there's one name on it and it's Trevor Lawrence and everybody else is not in tier one and to me that becomes very interesting because last year what you saw was yeah you might obviously have had question marks about Tua coming off the injury and you had obviously Justin Herbert and some of the leadership stuff but everything you saw on the field showed you that they could come in and, and you didn't question the talent so I think this is a year where you're going, okay, I don't know if I want to say this is going to be I, – I feel like we're going to overhype a lot of these guys and we're probably going to end up with one dude. Like one dude is going to be really good 10 years from now that maybe you come back to me and you're like, Paige, remember when we had that conversation and we talked about the the quarterbacks and you know, you're know, everyone's freaking out about, oh, could Zach Wilson be this guy? And 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 you're going – yeah, no, probably not. Right. Like I, I, I hope so. I always, let me be very clear. I always root for maximum success. Right. I want yeah. all the quarterbacks to do good. I want all, but I live in reality. Right. And that is, that is not, uh that is not so much the reality. Um, And so I think there's, there's a little bit of lack of depth at that position. If you look at the past couple of years and some of the guys that, Consider where Lamar Jackson was taken, right? You consider some of the, you, you look back and you go, man, you came out of that class and you had that guy, you had three guys, right? That you're like, wow, I don't know that we're going to get that this year. Like, I don't know that we're going to have three guys that we get three, four years down the road and they're all starting in the NFL. I don't think that's going to happen. And so as much as there's excitement about that, I don't see it. And, and so that's where I would go, yeah, I don't know. Not as, not as much depth at that position.
0: You could very well be right, Paige. And now, for the moment you've all been waiting for, folks, we are going to do our first mock draft of the 2021 NFL draft cycle right here on Sports Crunch. And we're going to do it using the critically acclaimed Draft Network mock draft machine. And here's how we're (laughs) going to do it. Um, Paige and I are going to take turns. I will take all the odd-number picks. Paige, you're going to take the even-number picks. And we're going to... um, make our picks, but there are going to be no trades in this mock, but we will discuss which picks could be traded and such and such. And obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock and they will be until they're off the clock on April 29th. And you could put this one in clear Sharpie. I don't care about the hype that you had about Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson's talented and Zach Wilson could end up being a very, very good quarterback, but Trevor Lawrence is arguably the best quarterback prospect to come into the draft it's Andrew Luck. You just he has such an extraordinarily high floor and high ceiling. Trevor Lawrence is the picket one, cut and dry, put it in Sharpie.
1: Yeah, I I can't uh can't disagree with you there, right? I, I don't think I don't think anything is gonna happen to change that. I love that everybody has You know tried to drum up this interest of oh yeah we're gonna have this and we're gonna have that and you know it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be him and that's the way that it's gonna be so unfortunately for everybody that wants to have some fun and try and mix it up, I don't think that's gonna happen. And I think the pick at number two is gonna be chalk too, and I think it's gonna be very interesting for people. But I do think that it's going to be Zach Wilson at two to the New York Jets. So that will be my pick at number two overall.
0: Yes, and uh, the Jets... Apparently, no final decision has been made regarding Sam Donald yet, but based on what Adam Schefter reported a week or so ago, uh, it seems like the Jets are ready to uh, move on from Sam Donald and give him a change of scenery to help him resurrect his career elsewhere. And uh, Joe Douglas, uh, who did a draft said, he wants to make his own pick along with Robert Sala. They're going to go with Zach Wilson. I totally, totally agree. And now the Miami Dolphins. Now, this is where you could see a trade for what are the two other quarterbacks, whether it be Justin Fields or Trey Lance, like uh, you, uh, the, the Dolphins could trade down to the Lions, because just because the Lions got Jared Goff, that doesn't mean they're out of the quarterback sweepstakes in this year's draft, like picking uh, Fields or Lance and uh, having them back up Jared Goff for a year and uh, take over in 2022 is uh, not a bad idea whatsoever. And the Carolina Panthers, who made an aggressive push for Matthew Stafford, at Will, make an aggressive push for Deshaun Watson if and when the Texans make him available. They could potentially trade up to this spot uh, if the Dolphins end up keeping the pick and don't trade for Deshaun Watson himself. But because we're having no trades in this draft, the Dolphins keep this pick. And yes, you could talk about needs on on the offensive line, but uh, for Tua Tungavoyloa to succeed, he needs weapons more than anything to succeed, as we saw in Alabama. And uh, Jamar Chase is easily the best wide receiver in this draft class, uh, period. Because uh, like uh, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, he has the highest floor and the highest ceiling out of all the receivers. He has a floor just as high as Devontae Smith. I love Devontae Smith. Don't get me wrong, but he's just doesn't Devonte Smith doesn't strike me as that alpha male that could uh, really single handedly take over a game. Uh, Jamar Chase looks like that guy and uh, the Dolphins, if they want to get a big weapon for Tua, it's Jamar Chase with the third overall pick. So I'm going Jamar Chase at three.
1: Okay, you're going Jamar Chase and Atlanta, because nobody has gone in front of them, because we're not doing trades, is also going to be looking ahead to future options at the quarterback position. New head coach, Arthur Smith, He's going to be thinking about life after Matt Ryan, not as much thinking about run it back with this current team. He's seen enough. And he's going to go with what what I hope happens for this kid, and that is Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance goes here, and there is a really good opportunity for him to sit back, learn from Matt Ryan, take the time to develop over a prospect, which very few prospects actually get this opportunity, right? You think about what happened with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. This would be a really good scenario for both Atlanta and for Trey Smith. So Trey Lance, fourth overall, um, I'm putting it in.
0: Ooh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah has uh, them going with Georgia of Justin Fields, but uh, uh, and a lot of people uh, have uh – Trey Lance ahead of uh, Justin Fields on their board, but a lot of people would have Fields ahead of Lance on their board, so once you get to those two quarterbacks after Trevor Lawrence at tier one alone, Zach Wilson might be a tier by himself as well, so once you go to Justin Fields and Trey Lance that's where you have a big, big debate on uh, which quarterback could go next, and the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock, and this is a more difficult decision than people think a, a lot of people say, oh, a tight end at five, Kyle Pitts transcends the position he is a rare specimen he is arguably the best tight end prospect in at least the past 20 years for crying out loud uh, uh depend i i don't know what they were thinking about gronk in in, in 2010 but it, but he's definitely uh, has the potential to be a trendsetter for the position at tight end going forward and and having him as joe Burrow's go-to guy uh, would be um so appealing, but the, you just have to protect Joe Burrow, who's coming off an ACL injury. You need to fortify that offensive line, and you only have one good lineman uh, on that offensive line, in my opinion. That is Jonah Williams, um, who is uh, your—I—I don't I, I forgot if he played left or right tackle last year, but he, he could play right tackle at a pitch. You can move him to right tackle at draft. Penae Sewell from Oregon to be at to be left tackle. Yes, so Rashad Slater is a good player, but. Uh, but, but Slater may project better to guard uh, in, in many, if not most, systems. you, you got to get that pure tackle prospect, and that's Panay Sewell for the Bagels. Kyle Pitts is very appealing here, but you got to protect Joe Burrow first and foremost. Panay Sewell to the Bengals yep. at five.
1: Yeah, I think Joe Burrow will be really happy about that pick. And this was an easy one for me because there is the most dynamic player in all of college football on the board available at a desperation pick need. Okay, The Eagles, they struck out on what they did with the wide receiver position. They need this position bad. It is Devonta Smith, Alabama, wide receiver, put it in. Eagles should be very happy. Jalen Hurts will be very happy. And hopefully we can continue to see – what has been one of the more electric, fun players to watch in college football uh, next year in the NFL.
0: Yes, uh, Devontae Smith would be a very good pick for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles here, and don't get me wrong, uh, I was a discon when I made Jamar Chase my pick at three, I just think Chase has a higher ceiling, but Devontae Smith, he's your Amari Cooper 2.0, and you know exactly what you're going to get with him, a guy that can get over religiously, and who has has great hands, even better hands than Jerry, Judy, and Henry Ruggs, dare I say, Uh, I think he might have been the best receiver on BAM of the past two seasons, for cry out loud, even with Judy and Ruggs there. So uh, Devontae Smith, uh, he uh, he might be the safest wide receiver pick in this draft, arguably, because uh, you just know what you're getting with him. Game in, game out, He he's like... He he has the best route running chops in this class, and he's got amazing cads as well. And, th- and that's all you need in an elite wide receiver, in my opinion. Devontae Smith to the Eagles is an excellent, excellent pick for Jalen Hurts or whoever will be the Eagles quarterback. Now the Lions are on the clock, and if Justin Fields is there, in my opinion, you got to take him because Jared Goff is just a stopgap measure. And yes, I I know uh, Lions GM Brad Holmes begged the table for him. Uh, when he was the Rams' college scouting director in 2016. But Goff, he, he's still a stopgap measure, and I think the Lions, deep down inside, know that. And uh, they need a, a future face of the franchise on a team that's going through yet another rebuild. Uh, so Justin Fields, if he's there at 7, I think you got to take him. Justin Fields to the Lions at 7.
1: Okay. All right. Well, you put me in a tough spot here because I was really hoping that Justin Fields would be there for Carolina at 8. But there are two other positions of need. If you go to the Draft Network, you click on Team Needs, you can see each team and what their primary positions of need. So if you move past quarterback for Carolina, their next two things that they need a lot, offensive tackle and cornerback, right? So there is a very, very good offensive tackle out of Northwestern named Ray Sean Slater that is still available on the board. There is also Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, the cornerback. To me, it is important to play the cards that you need to play, and what you have seen over the last two years is man offensive line play is so crucial, ask Patrick Mahomes that. It is, for me, Ray Sean Slater, Northwestern. I'm putting in the pick, and I'm protecting Teddy. Teddy touchdown until we get another quarterback but you get your guy in there you teach him you get him all ready to rock and and he's the pick so I know that one will make you happy uh living in Evanston seeing Sean Slater go inside the top 10.
0: Yeah Rayshon Slater uh, Daniel Jeremiah thinks he could be an all pro at guard at above, at an above average tackle uh do you think the Panthers uh, run the scheme where he could be very good at tackle?
1: Yeah, I do think that, and I think the the reality is, if you have a certain you have certain traits, you need to be able to move and play the positions that that the team is going to be able to to put you in. But I think I, I have a lot of faith in 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 Matt Rule. Um, I was really skeptical of him coming out, but I and and making that jump into the NFL. But I've liked what they've been able to do so far, and I think they'll they'll put Rayshawn Slater in a position to to maximize his talent and also take him out and understand that. The pressure isn't, like, at 10 for this NFL team, right? They did a really good job. They gave a long contract. They said, hey, we're going to play the long game. We're going to build this the right way. And I think you you draft the best available players, right? And as much as I like Caleb Farley, I think when you factor in the position and, and the scarcity that exists around really good offensive linemen, that's my guy. So I'm going Rayshon Slater.
0: And – my favorite team, the Denver Broncos, are on the clock right now at 9. And all of you in the NFL draft land, you have to understand, this is no longer John Elway's team. This is George Payton's team right now. George Payton, the new Broncos GM after spending the past uh, decade-plus as assistant GM in Minnesota, where they uh, got several outstanding draft classes after another. Um, the Broncos are going to be shopping this pick to move down, and uh, they – Might as well do that because George Payton himself said that the Vikings believed in accumulating additional assets because the more darts they had to throw, uh, they thought the better chance they had in uh, landing a gem um, wherever in the draft. But if the Broncos uh, have to keep pick number nine and Caleb Fairley is still on the board... It has to be Caleb Farley. The Broncos, they look at their cornerback position right now. They got rid of A.J. Boye, and rightfully so. He was too old and not worth the money, but their best corner is Bryce Callahan, who's never even played a full season, and uh, Michael O.J. Moody had his ups and downs as a rookie. They need a, a lockdown cornerback to go up against the, the, the passing attacks in the AFC West, and Caleb Farley, a former wide receiver with excellent ball skills, superb athleticism. He is the no-brainer pick if the Broncos keep the pick and he's there. Caleb Fairly to the Broncos.
1: Oh man, it seems like you you just like to go out and, and get all my guys, right? This is my guy. <laughs> this is who I was gonna take for the Dallas Cowboys. But there is somebody who is available that plays the edge position. And the Cowboys have this is if you look at this is one of their, their top knees. I think it's a little too early to go out and, and I was looking at Samuel Cosme and going, Okay, is it time? Their offensive line kind of stinks. They need somebody. No. Okay. I'm not I don't I, I think that's a reach. I, I think the top edge is still available right now and that's Quiddy Pay. So that's who I'm going with is the tenth overall spot. I wanted I wanted to go Caleb Fairley, but my guy over here he's really snaking me in this draft. So I had to go with my secondary option here, which is Quiddy Pay, edge out of Michigan.
0: Uh, yes uh let's talk about this edge class for a second like uh, there is no surefire home run top 10 picket edge but a lot of intriguing talent with mouth-watering upside and you see when it comes to edge players with mouth-watering upside a lot of them or, or at least a fair share of them do tend to hit each each year yeah
1: and it's such a it's such a crucial position right I mean you look at the the this and and quarterback are the guys that are getting paid a lot these days in the nfl so i think there's there's a lot of uh this would have been my secondary position of depth that i told you i think there's yeah there might not be the surefire guy up at the top but i think there's a lot of depth here and i think you're you if you uh are running a simulation you might end up with a quiddy pay up even earlier i ran one earlier and had atlanta uh going quiddy pay at the fourth overall spot so i feel good about the spot that I'm going with Dallas really needs to work on upgrading their defense. They have a lot of spots they need to upgrade oh, but
0: yeah.
1: too early to reach on offensive tackle and and my my number one cornerback as they said went off the board. So I think this is a good spot. You you make that pick and you feel comfortable with it.
0: If I were the Cowboys, I would have taken a long, hard look at this guy at 10, but since you didn't take him, I'm going to take him here for the Giants at 11, and I'm going on the record, I don't see him falling past the Giants at 11. Uh, Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge were very clear saying that they need more Offensive playmakers on offense, especially with Saquon Barkley uh, injured the past two years, it can't run through Saquon Barkley alone. They need a lot more help for Daniel Jones. And if this guy is on the board at 11, the Giants are going to be jumping for joy and running to the point to take Kyle Pitts. As I said, Kyle Pitts, who I considered for the Bengals at five, he is uh, no ordinary tight end prospect. He He just transcends the position. He's a rare athletic freak who can beat cornerbacks just as good as many wide receivers can, and his blocking is above average and will only get better. Kyle Pitts is going to be a rare weapon in the NFL from day one, and Kyle Pitts will not last past the Giants at 11, and if he's there, Daniel Jones is going to be one happy man. So Kyle Pitts to the Giants at 11.
1: I like that one. I like that one a lot. I think that's um, you know, even even with Evan Ingram on the squad, I, I think you're looking at Kyle Pitts is such a he's he's he shouldn't be valued at the tight end position like a normal tight end. You you kind of got to put him into this like Travis Kelsey type of scenario where you're talking about a much more dynamic uh, weapon. And, and I think, man. If Daniel Jones can stay healthy and some of that squad offensively can stay healthy, that becomes very interesting to me. So now I'm off on number 12, San Francisco, one of their top needs, right? Uh, Because I think in all reality, I think San Francisco, if they don't get their guy, they're upgrading at the position. I I do not see them going in with Jimmy Garoppolo. So they, I think, are going to be very aggressive. So in all reality, I do not think they will be at this 12th overall pick. I think they are going to move up. I think they're really, really going to try to, to get uh, Zach Wilson, who is at this point in time has become kind of the guy that we have heard uh, they are very interested in. But as we find out, Richard Sherman's probably not going back to San Francisco. The cornerback position is a primary need for them. One of the guys we all really like out of South Carolina, J.C. Horn, second cornerback to come off the board. I do not think this is what they're going to do because I do not think they will be here. But it is what I'm going to do in this mock today because cornerback is a position of need for them, especially coming off uh, Richard Sherman News. It's, it is it is really going to be a position they need to address in the draft. And if they aren't able to get a deal done, uh, they might have to wait and, and try and figure something out you know, whether it's through free agency or, or later on to get a quarterback or they might have to run it back with Jimmy Garoppolo, which I don't know, might not be uh, the worst option if you consider everything else. So that's my pick.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, the 49ers, uh, if, uh, even if, if they're unsuccessful and try to trade up for Zach Wilson, uh, I think uh, they're also expected to be a big player in the Sean Watson sweepstakes whenever the Texans uh, realize they have to part ways with this guy because the relationship is uh, beyond repair and uh (laughs) jc and and jc horn let's talk about him for a second uh jordan uh, reed uh, tweeted uh, yesterday that uh, if he could uh, get out of the bad habits of being too grabby with wide receivers uh, he could be end up being the best corner in this draft class
1: yeah they're the the guys are all really excited about what they've seen from jc horn so that gives me uh, a lot of confidence obviously i am I'm running the show, but I'm not scouting these players. So I, I reach out to the guys and I'm talking to them and I'm going off of the information that they're giving me. So I feel really confident in, in what they've said about J.C. Horn and, and him being able to, to fit into that system. James Butcher who's now there, uh, who's going to be a senior defensive assistant. They're a very aggressive defense, and I think that'll be good for him. And they get away with a little bit more in the NFC West, so I think he'll be okay being a little grabby here and there. That's kind of been the MO for Seattle for a long time. San Francisco runs a pretty similar uh, fashion to to what we've seen for uh, – They tend to be a little bit more aggressive, and uh, they kind of let it go. So I, I think he'll be just fine.
0: And now moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, who hope to uh, win a Super Bowl in the next uh... – Couple years because they need to capitalize on Justin Herbert's rookie contract fast, and uh, in order to help help achieve that goal, uh, they're going to have to protect Justin Herbert first and foremost, especially given Justin Herbert's uh, injury history. And uh, there's a very good offensive tackle still left on the board that you have ranked 16th overall on your board. And yes, there might be better players option, but I think the value um, pretty much matches this slot. And that is Christian Darasaw of Virginia Tech. Uh, uh, My good friend, uh, Nick Kendall, uh, who covers the Broncos draft process for milehighhuddle.com, he says he would uh, consider taking Christian Darasaw at nine if the cupboard was bare and the Broncos had no other options. So if uh, he's thinking that way and he's an offensive line expert, the Chargers should have no problem taking Christian Derisaw at 13 to solve their tackle problems if they don't address that in free agency so Christian Derisaw offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech to the Chargers to protect Justin Herbert at 13
1: I like it I like it that's uh, the that's direction that I would have gone I think that's um, overall I, I, I like that pick I think it, it would have been a good pick for, for quite, a, quite a few of these teams coming up here it's unfortunate because I was I was looking over here and I'm going okay this is that was going to be one of the picks I was looking for but I'm looking ahead to New England I want I want to make that pick because I want to <laughs> pick for them but I'm not going to because we're not allowed to trade because I would have traded with you so that I could try and have New England because uh, I hate the Minnesota Vikings I am a Chicago Bears fan through and through <laughs> and it feels weird um, to draft for any team uh, uh, that that ends up in the NFC North but that is okay uh, uh, of course that pays on the spot.
0: Paige, uh, don't be yeah. interrupt, but for the record, I root for the Bears except for once every four years when they play the Broncos, so I'm with you here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if you look at the draft network right now, Vikings' top uh, need is interior offensive line, right? And, and interior defensive line, they really need to build within the trenches, safety, offensive tackle. So you're, you're really looking at, you know, a position where a lot of the top guys uh, for the offensive line are off the board. You've got a couple edges that are still available, but not too much on the defensive line. I think it would be a little bit of a reach here for a guy like a, like a Christian Barmore, who's at the top of our list uh, for that position. Um, So I think we're going to go with somebody out of the West Coast to be safe, and that's because I value the interior offensive line apparently more than a lot of people do, and I think maybe one day the NFL will wake up and start realizing um, it's all built in the trenches. Watch what happened this past Super Bowl. Uh, The offensive line from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dismantled uh, the defensive line from the Kansas City Chiefs, and the defensive line from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dismantled the offensive line that was very banged up, and it did not matter how special Patrick Mahomes was because if you're running for your life all the time, it puts you in a tough spot. So that all being said, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, interior offensive line out of USC. I know it's a little early, obviously, for him, but I think I'm going to go with a, a strong position of need here for Minnesota. They'd probably, if the board fell this way, they would probably be fielding many phone calls to try and get out of the spot based off of their needs. But the Minnesota Vikings are in a tough spot here. With they, they got to run it back with Kirk Cousins. They've got you know some issues across the board. Their defense they had to completely revamp last last year. And man, it's um they got a lot of needs. It, it's going to be tough sledding here. And and I'll be interested to see how long they end up sticking around with with Mike Zimmer and company. Uh, because I just think they've they, they made that initial upgrade to Kirk Cousins, and then it wasn't an upgrade right? And, and unfortunately, they have not gotten back to that place where Case Keenum brought them prior to Kirk Cousins going there. So, I'll go interior offensive line. Not a sexy pick, but uh, I think you need to protect Kirk, at least for this year.
0: Yeah, that's a typical Rick Spielman pick. Uh, a not sexy pick, but very, very <laughs> safe. And uh, Daniel Jeremiah himself believes that Elijah Vera Tucker is one of the safest prospects of this class, uh, that you know what you're going to be able to do with him uh, right away. And now the New England Patriots are on the clock, and... There's been some rumors that they might be willing to trade Stephon Gilmore, who is coming out of his contract at the end of the 2021 season, and lo and behold, look who's fallen all the way to 15 this mock: Alabama's Patrick Sertan II. His father was a very solid corner in the league, and he... Is very similar to Raven stud cornerback Marlon Humphrey in terms of their traits. And uh, Bill Belichick would absolutely love to have Patrick Sertan, and he loves his Alabama players given his relation with Nick Saban and that pipeline from Bama to the Patriots. That pipeline is real, and it's going to become even more real as uh, Patrick Sertan II is taken by the New England Patriots at 15.
1: Okay, I like that pick a lot. I like that pick a lot. I am now on the clock for all of my Arizona Cardinal fans. They are going to be very happy I am making this pick because they are desperate for this position. They just keep badgering me about it. They're like, you need to talk to Steve Kyman. I'm like, listen, I talk <laughs> to Steve regularly. He's not going to listen to me. I keep telling him you guys need a good running back, but I'm going to make the pick that you guys wish that you were going to do because I do not think Steve will do this, but I'm going to do it, Cardinal fans, because I am here for you, woman of the people. It is Najee Harris, running back, Alabama. This is a desperate position of need for them. They have struggled at this. Kenyon Drake was not the guy that they wanted him to be. He was fine good stopgap guy, but if you want to see a progression from Kyler Murray, you're going to have to bring in a guy who they can count on, consistency. Najee Harris has been a hell of a back. I think you'd be good going either way here between Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. I think we're splitting hairs, but I give one layer up to Najee Harris. Uh, So I'm going Najee Harris, 16 overall, uh, and you're welcome, Cardinal fans.
0: Oh, interesting pick. And by the way, folks, Paige is currently headquartered in Scottsdale, Arizona. So uh, uh, hence her um, emphasis on Cardinals fans there. And now the Las Vegas Raiders are now on the clock. And when you look at the Raiders, um, you have a head coach, a general manager, that at sometimes they, when they, they pick one guy, you say, oh, that's a Mike Mayock pick. And then uh, when they pick another guy, you say, oh, that's a John Gruden pick. I have a funny feeling John Gruden would win this battle because when you look at this, this Raiders defense, it is one of the worst in the entire NFL. And if John Gruden is willing to take a flyer on this guy's uh, troublesome uh, character history, uh, he w- will do it. And that person is linebacker Micah Parsons from Penn State. He is a very similar prospect to Devin White, uh, who was a uh, underrated uh, candidate for Super Bowl uh, 55 MVP, in my opinion, when Devin was coming to the league in 2019 from LSU. Um, Micah Parsons will give the Raiders' defense a very, very similar boost uh, if they decide to go with him here. And for the sake of this mock, we're going to take Micah Parsons for the Raiders here at 17.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Uh, you know, everything off the field aside, I don't, I don't want to, you know, speculate on on what is going to happen and and how that's going to impact him. But just strictly on the field, hell of a ball player. Definitely somebody that I think if you end up getting uh, and making sure that he keeps his head on straight, seventeen uh that would be a, a really really good opportunity for the Raiders who need a lot of help but I'm happy because I'm picking at 18 I'm picking for my guy Kyle Krabs here for the Miami Dolphins Woo! and there's oh uh, there is a wide receiver that is still on the board and he would run to the podium okay he would run to the podium to put this in and that is Jalen Waddle the other wide receiver from the University of Alabama. He would be, I know Devonta Smith went earlier on. You obviously already saw that aspect of the the team go, and you have a lot of excitement around some of the other guys. And, you know, you saw Jamar Chase go, and that was the first guy off the board. But I'm telling you, they're going to be really excited if the board falls in a way where they're going to have an opportunity to get a guy like Jalen Waddell. So, number 18, Miami. I know Kyle will be very happy with me for making this pick.
0: So we got Jalen Wall to the Dolphins at 18, But keep in mind, we also gave the Dolphins Jamar Chase at three. So um, I think Kyle would. There was a side of it, of Kyle that would be happy about this, and another side that maybe not so. The double-digit receiver, but I think Tool would approve of getting Jamar Chase uh, and Tua, Jalen Wall. Tool's all in.
1: Yeah, we're all in. We're going. We're going. We want four wide all the time. We we want tons of offense, tons of RPOs. We're we know. Oh, I'm well aware. We want Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. We're all in. We're going two at a time. He's got to double down on it. He doesn't get Deshaun Watson. This is the only way that Kyle is happy if he doesn't get Deshaun Watson. But I think he's still going to be salty about not getting Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to be pre- – because he's pretty, he's pretty hell-bent on getting him. So uh, this, this would be the only way to, to, to sulk his misery away if that does not happen.
0: Oh, absolutely, and uh, it would be a dream haul for the Dolphins to end up with uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Jalen Waddell, Uh, and uh, oh my God, Tua would be jumping on a trampoline uh, if that happened, Uh, and uh, now uh, we're in a tight spot here with the Washington football team, long-term nickname still yet to be determined, that is, and... Uh, let's see what their needs are. Their needs, they obviously have a big need at quarterback, but all the top quarterbacks are gone. Um, uh, and they could make a play for Sam Darnold. They're one of the teams that I believe it was Tony Pauling of the Pro Football Network that reported that Washington would uh, do what they could to uh, own in on Sam Darnold if or when he's made available by the Jets. And They they obviously needed an offensive tackle as well, uh, but uh, the Best tackle on the board, Samuel Cosby. I'm not sure because uh, I don't think Daniel Jeremiah is uh, that high on him. And there's uh, the next uh, offensive tackle uh, Daniel Jeremiah is highest on is Jalen Mayfield. Jalen Mayfield from uh, the University of Michigan, I believe. And uh, it would be a tad bit of a reach here. And let's add, however, but when you get to this part of the draft... Uh, there, there, there really are no reaches at this point of the draft because all these guys are yeah. lumped together. Given the uncertainty, uh, around the draft this year in part due to COVID-19, I'm just going to give them Jalen Mayfield from Michigan here based on uh, where Daniel Jeremiah has him on his board. So Jalen Mayfield to Washington to protect whoever their quarterback is, is it Sam Darnold? Is it a Taylor Heineke or do they trade up for somebody else?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on on this point. And I think the Bears are going to go, we're going to go back to back on the offensive line. And you said it, it might be a little bit of a reach for Samuel Cosme, but the, the reality is the Bears desperately need this position. And I'm assuming they're going to try and figure out the quarterback scenario because I'm not going to go with a Mac Jones. I'm not going to reach for another quarterback here. So I'm going I'm going Samuel Cosme here out of Texas and we're going back to back. We're we're drafting a lot of offensive line. I like I like where our head's at. We're trying to build in the trenches here. This is this is what we should be doing. So don't worry about it. We're not we're not reaching. We're doing what should be happening, which will not happen, oh, by the way, because somebody will definitely reach for another quarterback that should not go in the first round. It 150% will happen. It happens every year. And it'll probably be the bears and I'll probably be aggravated about it. But I hope that they don't do that and I hope that they make a smart decision and, and get an offensive offensive tackle here at
0: the 20th overall spot yes said you could see a big run on tackles especially the more middle class of the tackle class uh dare i say beginning at this point of the draft now you look at the indianapolis colts uh with philip rivers retiree get uh, jacoby Brissett's future uncertain they need a quarterback too and they uh, are another candidate to go after sam darnold uh but uh Uh, That's not certain, but you also have Anthony Costanzo retiring. They need a tackle, but uh, the next tackle you have on the board is Tevin Jacobs from Oklahoma State uh, at 30. And and, uh, corners, uh, let's see what corners he got here. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. Uh, You got uh, Daniel Jeremiah has... uh, uh, as his uh, next corner, um, uh, I ac- actually Tevin Jenkins is thirtieth on uh, DJ's board, and Tevin Jenkins, you have him thirtieth on your board. So this isn't necessarily that much of a reach at this point in the draft. Let's just give the Colts Tevin Jenkins for the tackle position.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're going to be drafting there anyways, right? I think they're going to end up having to probably probably give this up to if they actually want to get Carson Wentz. But to be determined, we will see what happens. But yeah. if they end up keeping keeping oh, that overall, yeah. they, they might go in, in that direction. Um, so I am up with the Tennessee Titans at the 22nd overall pick. One of their top needs is Edge. And we talked about this uh, earlier. Our number one guy is off the board, but our number two guy is still on the board, and that's Joseph Asai out of Texas, so he's going to be my guy at 22 for the Tennessee Titans. They're going to have to start building back that defense. Uh, like what they're doing, like where they're headed, but they haven't quite, they, they want to make it to the dance, right? They got real close, but we know what the threshold is. You got to be able to beat Patrick Mahomes. You got to get to him. You got to be able to, to to make his night nightmare fuel, right? You saw the Bucks do it, so I think you're going to see that from, from the Tennessee Titans here, so Joseph Osai, Edge, out of Texas.
0: And the New York Jets are back on the clock at 23. This, uh, one of the two firsts they acquired in the uh, Jamal Adams trade. And uh, Robert Sala will, would be pounding uh, the table for this guy. And that is uh, Miami edge rusher Gregory Rousseau. Uh, Gregory Rousseau had a breakout year in 2019, but he opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID-19. So uh, he's a bit of an unknown, but to, where, do you, where do you take risks uh Pass rushers with question marks. This is the perfect time to do so. Uh, the uh, Washington did the same thing with Montez Sweat in this part of the draft a couple years ago. Look at what he's become. And Gregory Rousseau could be a similar success story. So the New York Jets at twenty three uh, with that edge rusher that is essential in the Robert Sala defense to help get pressure. Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Yeah, and this is
1: another one. If I was if I was at twenty four here and I'm Jacksonville and this is how the board fell to me. I would probably be trading out. Uh, their top needs are are kind of all gone here. Um, most of the top needs. Uh, Pittsburgh's and, on and the so clock, would...
0: actually. Pittsburgh at twenty
1: four. Oh, I was gonna say. I must have. Oh, I'm I'm skipping ahead. I'm skipping <laughs> ahead. I'm trying to. I'm trying to go ahead to Jacksonville. <laughs> I'm trying to take your pick. I'm trying to take your picks. This is much easier for me now. Now I get to choose for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is lock-in. Travis Etienne, they need a running back. Put it in. I'm ready to rock. This is Pittsburgh Nation. They love running the football. Big Ben stays. They need another guy. James Conner hasn't been able to kind of got to do this with the running back position, right? On teams, don't pay running backs like Joe Marino says. Very smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. You keep, Keep running in these guys. Keep them on these rookie deals. And then go get your money and let them get paid elsewhere. So I'm going Travis Etienne out of Clemson. That's about as surefire of prospect as we've had uh, in the last few years.
0: Oh, that's a great pick. Would love to see Travis Etienne uh, in Pittsburgh, adding to that uh, legacy of elite Steelers running backs. And uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock in the first of the two picks they got from the Rams in the uh, Jalen Ramsey trade. No, this is the second of the two. The last one was last year where they drafted Caleb on chase on, with that pick, uh, you obviously got Trevor Lawrence, and uh, you you need a tackle. But I think the cupboard is pretty bare at tackle here. Corner, the cupboard is pretty bare. Uh, tight end, uh, safety. Now, if you want to rebuild uh, the defense and get a good safety here, um, Daniel Jeremiah really likes Trevon Morig of of TCU, and uh, for for that sake, I'm going to go with Trevon Morrig from uh, TCU. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him as a top. 15-16 prospect and uh, and uh, others might think about that you have 39th on your board but based on uh, on those two reggies this is a good beat in the middle value so Travon mooring from TCU to the Jaguars
1: okay all right I like it I'm I'm gonna add another weapon to the offensive uh, Arsenal for Baker Mayfield uh, I'm on the clock Cleveland Browns number 26. There's a couple wide receivers that we like here, right? There's a couple of guys I told you is really deep class. Was thinking about waiting on him, but said nah, all gas, no breaks. Want lots of touchdowns. Want Cleveland to have tons of weapons and Bake Show to be cooking all year long. So I'm choosing here between Kadarius Tony, we really like, and Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU. So. Karen's Marshall Jr. is a little bit higher than Kadarius Tony, but I think that once we do the reshuffle, Kadarius Tony might be inching his way up a little bit closer. So I'm going Kadarius Tony, 26, adding him to uh, the arsenal out of Florida. Robert Juden, who runs our social media, is doing laps. He is hyped. He's like, "Yes, give me somebody in Florida going uh, in the in the first round to add to Kyle Pitts, who went earlier on." So that's why I'm adding Kadarius Tony, a guy a guy we all really like.
0: Yeah, what uh, what does Kadarius Tony bring to that Browns offense that's currently lacking? Is it uh, vertical speed? Uh, yeah, you got Odell Beckham Jr., but uh, you need somebody even faster than him to uh, really take a top off the defense.
1: I I think you're I think the reality is the vertical speed is what they need long term because I think you're looking at a pretty short window of time here where Odell Beckham Jr. is still playing on the Cleveland Browns and he's coming off a serious injury, uh, a injury like like he had there's nobody that's going to come back and have the same exact speed that they've had. And unfortunately for Cleveland, you know, Odell has not been the version of Odell we saw in New York ever in Cleveland. And and he just has not had that consistency, whether it's been the issues with the offense or, or Baker in in last year or this year with the injury. So I like, I like him, Uh, Kadarius Tony a lot here because he brings that speed that I think they're they're going to need and need to rely on because I don't think uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is the future there for Cleveland.
0: And uh, as we saw, um, Mayfield's Bakery was actually running lower on sweets with Odell Beckham Jr. in the uh, lineup than they were without him in the lineup. But yeah. uh, Mayfield's Bakery or the Bake Show, as you call it, they don't need him for more sweets. They could get Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Odell Beckham. Uh, he he's been a bit of, Uh, he's been an all pro uh, wide receiver, but the injuries that he's uh, suffered over the years, he's he's, the odds of him being the same are, are very, very small. So uh, there's no harm, no foul in, uh, in taking inventory at, uh, and drafting Kadarius Toney to replace Odell Beckham no later than 2022. So Mayfield's Bakery gets another delicious pastry there in Cleveland with Kadarius Toney at number 26. And the Baltimore Ravens are on the clock, and they they are going to have a need at edge rusher because uh, the odds are they're not going to um, re-sign Matt Judon. He'll probably go elsewhere for a bigger payday. and uh, if uh, Matt Judon does depart the Ravens, uh, th- th- they will be more than happy to draft Jalen Phillips from Miami, who was uh, Gregory Rousseau's running mate uh, in 2019. And uh, there there might be durability concerns with him, but uh, this is, uh, like I said, this is the part of the draft where you take a risk on a pass rusher with an extraordinarily high ceiling. And uh, some people say that Jalen Phillips could be the most uh, naturally gifted pass rusher of this draft class. So Jalen Phillips to the Ravens at 27.
1: Jalen Phillips to the Ravens at 27. Okay. Um, all right. I like I like where we're headed. I like I like where things have kind of landed here. 28 on the New Orleans Saints. Boy, you're talking about a lot of needs. And this team is in a very interesting place because technically the number one need on the team is cornerback edge and wide receiver but that's because we have not factored in uh that Drew Brees is retiring and with all due respect to Taysom Hill uh I'm not buying that he's the future of this team and I'm not really sure what they're going to do this off season with with uh Jameis Winston but I do not think that he's going to come back and play on the deal that he had last year okay I, I just don't I don't buy into that. And unfortunately, Saints fans, let me break down reality for you. Uh The cap is real, and you're going to have to figure out a way to get under the current cap. Because as of right now, uh you can't actually field your current team to play in the NFL. You're way over the cap. And you're going to have to make some moves here. So I said I wasn't going to get another quarterback. But I'm gonna do it and mostly just to troll Saints fans. So this is mostly me trolling them, but I also if you're thinking long term, they gotta they kind of gotta start thinking about it. And I know for a fact that Sean Payton really likes this guy. So I'm gonna give them Alabama quarterback Mac Jones to the New Orleans Saints. He'll sit around this year, they'll throw Taysom Hill out there and we'll watch one of the most anemic offenses where we're gonna watch the Wildcat a thousand times. And we're all going to be bored of it, but they're going to sit back and they're going to have time to really groom their guy. And I think if Mac Jones is given the ability to kind of sit back, learn from, uh, you know, one of the better offensive coaches we've seen over the last two decades and, and have some time to really mature. That was a guy all we heard about during senior bowl week, about how mature he is, how he's unassuming, and he's got all the traits and all the talent. So I'm sneaking another quarterback in here and I'm trolling saints fans because I don't think you guys have I, riddle me this. Uh, Taysom Hill is not the future. So sorry, as much as, as much as you guys want to believe that, uh, I do not. So I'm giving you another quarterback.
0: Uh, yes. And, uh, Matt Jones, uh, this, uh, might be an okay spot to take him. I prefer waiting on quarterbacks of his types around to, round two. uh, uh, pure pocket passers who are becoming dinosaurs in today's NFL, but ones that make uh, good decisions that have a, a very good accuracy. Uh, I would be much more comfortable at round two, but that said, uh, the Saints say if they're unable to reside Jameis this will be the place to take Mac Jones or uh, take a chance on him at the very least. So the Green Bay Packers are now on the clock and uh, uh, offensive tackle, the cupboard is bare. Wide receiver, the cup, c- cupboard is pretty bare here. Uh, cornerback of the is Bear, but interior defensive line. Uh, uh, you need, uh, their inability to get pressure on Tom Brady in that uh, NFC Championship game was an underrated reason why they lost. Uh, yes, uh, they missed David Bakhtiari big time at offense, but they didn't get pressure on Tom Brady as much as they should have. And uh, Christian Barmore of Alabama... Uh, this is a very good uh, value spot to take him. The Packers uh, hit uh, struck gold with Kenny Clark around this time of the draft several years ago. And uh, Christian Barmore, I think, provides them a very s- similar value and potential here. So Christian Barmore to the Packers at 29.
1: Okay. I like that. I like that pick. That would have been my pick for, for uh, Kansas City or for Tampa Bay more so uh, at 32, which would have been my last pick. But my pick now is Buffalo. Buffalo's got a few needs. Uh, their top need, linebacker. Uh, we've got a couple of guys available here on the board. So number one overall guy uh, already out, right, in, in, in Micah Parsons. But is Jeremiah Owosu-Koromora-Koromora is he still available from yep. Notre Dame? He's the highest player him, left right?
0: on the board. He's the highest player left on the board.
1: That's right. That's what we're talking about. We love value here. We love value. We're going, we're going with him. I butchered his name. I'm so sorry. I was very close to getting it, but I I was like, oh, man. I, I even practiced it. I was ready. I was ready to say his name right, and I butchered it last minute. But either way, uh, our top available player, out of out of Notre Dame linebacker Jeremiah Owosu. He is redshirt Junior going to Buffalo. They're gonna be really excited about having him on the on the roster. So Joe Marino is excited. We love getting good value. We got good value here at the end of the draft at the thirtieth yeah. overall spot.
0: And uh, talk about uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Jeremiah Usukoramoa—the same linebacker. Talk about elite speed and, F- and freakish athleticism. Those are the kinds <laughs> yeah, of linebackers Sean McDermott really, uh, really covets. Man, that, that would be a heck of a duo in, in Buffalo, as we saw Levante David and Devin White do it for the Bucks. Uh, uh, Jeremiah Usukoramoa and Tremaine Edmonds could end up doing it for the Buffalo Bills. And the Kansas City yep. Chiefs are now on the clock, and I have a feeling that they are going to. Um, roll the dice on offensive line here. They just have to because uh, Eric Fisher, there's a chance he's going to miss half, if not all of next year due to the uh, Achilles injury. And Mitchell Schwartz is getting a bit long in the tooth. And as the Super Bowl show, showed them, even Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback as a lead as specialist him, needs an offensive line or else uh, he's going to have a bad day. And uh, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, uh, he uh, there's nothing special about it, but he, he could be a, a a safe pick in terms of a guy for Andy Heck, the Chiefs' offensive line coach, who's very good at his job to to mold into a very to an above average starter, which is all they need with Patrick Mahomes. If they had above average starters uh, against the Bucks, that game would have been a lot closer. But uh, that's all in the past. Bo Alex Letterwood from Alabama would be my pick for the Chiefs at 31 offensive tackle.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good pick. And and Leatherwood, a guy that a lot of people like. Um, my last pick here, I'm picking for the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. They don't need a whole lot. Uh, I think they're going to be able to run it back with uh, a lot of the guys on the squad. They're going to probably have um, the ability because Tom Brady's Tom Brady. He's going to restructure his deal. He's going to get a little more room. Uh, Mike is going to restructure the deal, and they're going to be able to bring almost the same roster back, and they could arguably get better, which is actually horrifying. So <laughs> yeah. um, that that is that is that is what I anticipate happening. So they really, you know, they have a few needs, but it's not. It, it's more. Let's go out and draft a guy that I think can is going to have the opportunity to learn and grow, and that is. I do not believe you have picked him. And that is Edge Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. So, did you have you have you picked him? I don't. Think uh, so. Nope, he's
0: still available. Aziz Ojolari. Oh, he'd be excellent okay. value here.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm excited about this pick. Big boy, 6'3", 240 out of Georgia. Just the type of guy that Todd Bowles is going to love putting that defense. And the nice thing for him is he's going to be able to not have a lot of pressure to come in and produce right away. He's going to have some opportunities to learn. They got a lot of vets. A lot of good guys on that defense you can learn from. I really like this. He's 27th on our board right now, so I'd be getting some good value. And uh, I think the Bucks are in a prime position to be able to walk into the draft and go, you know what, we're going to take the best player available and uh, this is the best player available.
0: Oh, th- th- this makes perfect sense, especially given the fact that Shaq Barrett, uh, unfortunately for the Bucks, might be one of the few free agents they are forced to say goodbye to because he alluded to himself that he uh, doesn't want to take a, a discount, he, uh, especially him uh, being an undrafted free agent and him knowing – me knowing him from when he played for my Broncos, he was the ultimate team player. Finally got the chance to shine in Tampa, and he became and he blossomed into a stud in Tampa. And now he deserves to get paid. And if Shaq Bear does indeed go elsewhere in free agency, Aziz Ojolari would be an excellent replacement for the Bucks. At thirty-two, and she is Paige Namakos, ladies and gentlemen, the CEO of the Draft Network. You can follow her on Twitter at the underscore sports page, and that's P A I G E, folks. And, Paige, thank you so much once again for joining us. We hope to have you on the program again real, real soon. And that's it for today here on SportsCrunch, but we'll be back soon with a lot more coverage as free agency of the draft draw near. so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at SportsCrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with the K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash SportsCrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like page. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom59. For Page Demacos. this is David Cromo saying so long and as usual, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe, and stay sane. Thank you very much, everybody.